It was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I-35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space, leave that city. Well, hey there, howdy. Hey, um, we talk about a lot of things. We've taken you through Rager Gate, through Regent Gate, and now we turn our attention to the Texas Legislature. A whole program today about Speaker of the House. If you're listening in other sides of Texas, uh, rural representation matters in a state that's becoming, as last Tuesday showed, more suburban drawn whether that be democratic or republican and lots of times i say this generally uh, but not all the way folks may not care about their place uh, in a suburban context maybe it's a cul-de-sac that they live in for 15 years and all they're concerned about is not necessarily the survival of their place or you know their independent school district but their property taxes and uh, we have more we have broader concerns and who the speaker of the house is in texas matters a lot in that regard so we are going to focus this program on the speaker of the house glad that you're with us right here on the other side i'm your host jay west texas leeson raven on from the studios where buddy holly became famous the racer car wash studios voted lubbock's best wash for five years running has been racer car wash stop into one of five convenient locations across this hub city for the best wash around guaranteed racerwash.com your thoughts on the text lines we roll along 806-745-5800 quorum report editor scott braddock will be in with us lots of developing news uh, throughout the weekend and then into today again the week after the midterms when 12 house seats and 150 member house uh, switched over to democrats lots of urgency throughout the weekend for price thought to be uh, uh, considerable for lack of a better word, a significant figure in the Texas Speaker of the House race withdraws on Sunday. And we've got Four Price, an exclusive interview, about half an hour worth of Four Price. They're out of Amarillo. And I think uh, those of you who are listening west of I-35, especially north of I-20, West of I-35 will be interested to hear what Four Price has to say, a candid Four Price. Also, Scott Braddock of the Quorum Report coming up here in about seven minutes from now. Here's where we stand. <clears throat> and I'll reiterate this because I get listeners who send me emails and ask me questions because they don't follow what's going on. In Texas, you've got a 150-member house and you don't elect a speaker popularly none of us cast a ballot for a speaker we may cast a ballot for someone who could become speaker but that speaker is elected from within the house itself and so as it stands today after last tuesday you have 83 republicans 73 democrats and 
today Dennis Bonin was had, had a press conference he's a Republican out of Angleton and folks listen I'm still on the fence I right before the program if you're listening live we uh, started a couple minutes late because I was on the phone with a very credible source who said that John Sharp was walking out of Dennis Bonin's office today um, the who the presumable speaker of the house uh, Texas A&M Chancellor John Sharp was walking out of Dennis Bonin's office today about noon o'clock uh, he had a presser today at three o'clock that John Sharp um, and so there's lots of mix. You, you'll hear for Price. Uh, he'll, he'll make an argument in something that we pre-recorded uh, about an hour and a half ago. Say that Dennis Bond is completely open to a vet school. Of course, no deals can be made. That's illegal. But his indication was that Bonin would go with the house on it, uh, not obstruct, and as a matter of fact, help people who were advocating for the vet school. Um, so much to get into but rather than me tell you about Bonin we're sitting here in 2018 how about uh, you listen to Dennis Bonin out of Angleton this was his press conference today and we're going to bring you that audio as it cues up here here's Bonin walking to the podium and I believe you are about to hear he's shaking hands uh, Dennis Bonin. Here it is. We're here to let you know that uh, the speaker's race is over and the Texas House is ready to go to work. Um, I'm very proud we're going to release here in a moment 109 names of my colleagues that have signed on to support me to be speaker. Don't worry about that number 109 though. All 149 under other members are going to be a part of this house. Whether their name is on the list today or not is unimportant. We're going to be the house. When the house stands together, it does great things. And this Texas house is going to do great things. We stand ready to work with the governor. And of course, we want to work with our friends and partners in the Senate and the lieutenant governor. So with that, we will keep it brief. This is simply the beginning. But I'm honored to have the members that are here with me today. This was done on incredibly short notice, and their showing up uh, means a lot. But we are excited to bring the House together, to be unified, and to do good work for the people of Texas. I'll take one or two questions, and then we're going to move on. This is Scott Braddock. I'm glad you would ask me that. You didn't ask me that before you printed that I said I wouldn't. Um, but I made it very clear. Hold on. To clarify what Braddock had just asked him, and you'll hear from Braddock here in just a moment. This is where we'll pick up with him. Uh, Bonin has been on this side or that side, lots of contrasting reports, whether or not Democrats would get committee uh, chairs, and Bonin kind of takes a swipe at Braddock there, Bonin, uh, kind of a firebrand, and that's what a lot of people have concerns with Bonin about. Just giving you the news, views, and issues here that matter. Here's the rest of Bonin's response. 
on the 31st of October that I will honor the tradition of the House of being a bipartisan chamber. And I am committed to continuing that legacy of greatness that makes the Texas House stand out from other legislative bodies around the country. There's one other question, and we'll, yes, sir. Top priority coming in? Uh, the number one priority will be decided by the members, but having talked to numerous members, I can guarantee you that priority is school finance. It is time Texas took on the challenge of fixing our broken school finance system, and the Texas House will be leading with all of us to get that done. Thank you all very much. We're going to release the list of the 109 members, and we look forward to working with you all moving forward. Thank you. So there's Dennis Bonin, and here you and I are. We're going to bring you a, listen, uh, the most listened to media platform in West Texas. Glad that you're rolling along with us, whether that's live or on the podcast. Going to go make a little bit of money here, get back in with Scott Braddock as we give you exclusive coverage of the speaker's race. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, we'll have four price uh, in after uh, Scott Braddock. Stick right with us here on AM 580 Lubbock. Little towns in West Texas, you can't understand just how, how they ride it out through the dust and drought till you live in a prairie town. Each and every week we have our friend Scott Braddock of the Quorum Report right here on the program and is there not a better time i don't think i've looked forward to one of your segments more than i do right now scott braddock uh thanks for coming on and as always braddock on texas absolutely of course i always look forward to it uh i look forward to it uh you know immensely every week no matter what the topic is just so you know well but today this is the speaker edition of yes sir uh, Mm -hmm other side of texas we just played we speaker chat we played the um audio um i'm told in four prizes following you in a pre-recorded interview we did earlier today uh i look forward to it four will make the case for listeners he doesn't make the case i ask him my understanding was before he and you guys a quorum report broke it i believe Mm -hmm. Um, yes, sir. That as of yesterday, uh, what about one or two p.m. Central Standard Time? Bonin, Dennis Bonin had some forty votes today. He announced that he pledges uh, today a hundred and nine. Uh, we just yes, listened to the audio. Uh, just talk us through the last twenty-four hours, Scott Braddock. It's been very interesting to watch a couple of the candidates for House Speaker drop out, uh, including Phil King and for Price, uh, and then Tan Parker um, earlier today. Is that uh, Phil King and who... Weatherford and Tan yes, Parker? Of DFW. He's okay. from Flower Mound uh, in the, up in Denton County. All right. uh, and uh, they had been running for Speaker for quite some time. Um, Phil King was one of those who was running for Speaker not long after Joe Strauss had announced his retirement about a year ago. Uh, and all of a sudden there was this momentum. There was a, a meeting uh, of some Texas House members a couple weeks ago uh, in which we had reported there were somewhere between 30 and 40 Republican members who were trying to figure out who they would support for House Speaker. Uh, the name that emerged from that meeting was Representative Dennis Bonin, a Republican from Angleton. He was not in attendance at that meeting. 
that's our understanding. Um, but uh, it is worth noting that Bonin, uh, on the last campaign finance reports, was giving money to Texas House members at about the same rate as other announced speaker candidates. That was before he had announced. Uh, nothing wrong with that, of course. It's all disclosed, but uh, it, it tells you that um, it tells a lot of folks around here that he was thinking about running for speaker long before he actually announced. And it was not the case that some Republican members simply got together and asked him to run. Um, that's the way it was portrayed, that they had asked him to run, and then he said that he would pray about it, and then he decided he would run. Uh, it doesn't look that way. But regardless, uh, he came out today, said he had 109 colleagues who have pledged to support his bid to preside over the lower chamber in 2019. Uh, when you say you heard, that you played audio, I assume you, that you mean you were playing audio from his press conference earlier today? Yeah, about two um, minutes yeah, he, the press conference. Sure. He had said, and it was a short press conference, uh, there were two questions. One of them was asked by myself. I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but what he had said was that, look, you just forget the number 109. He said, don't worry about that. I, I have 109 pledges. But the truth is, all the other 149 members of the House, uh, you know, besides himself, that they are all going to be part of the House, whether they are Republicans or Democrats. He also said that he was going to uh, keep a commitment to bipartisanship as a legacy of greatness that makes the Texas House stand out from other legislative bodies around the country. That was his quote. Uh, the question that I asked him uh, was whether or not he would commit to um, appointing Democrats to key committees, which has been a tradition in the Texas House, which is also um, something that makes the Texas legislature stand out from other legislative bodies around the country. Uh, and he, in his uh, answer to me, he did not say yes or no. He didn't say for sure he was going to um, you know, appoint Democrats to committees, uh, although he did say uh, that he is committed to keeping the Texas House basically be a bipartisan institution. He says that's sort of but, what makes it so Okay, uh, Scott Braddock, at Scott Braddock on Twitter. Um, yes, sir. Tell me what prompted your question, though, because it, I'm going to get into the firebrand nature of go uh, for it. No, you, mm -hmm. no, it's a good of, question of Dennis uh -huh. Bond. I asked for Here, a reason. No, uh, hold, mm -hmm. hold on, let's let's go to why you asked that question. Yes, sir. So the reason I asked that question is because members of the Texas legislature have been telling uh, us at Quorum Report uh, that they have heard a couple of different things about that. That uh, that for some members. They have heard uh, from Bonin and from his allies that there would be no Democrats who would be um, um, appointed to chairmanships, and then there are others who have said the exact opposite. So we simply wanted to have him uh, on the record uh, about that key question. And you know, it's also interesting that after uh, Chair Bonin uh, said he was going to release 109 um, commitments, uh, that Speaker Joe Strauss uh, did say that he also uh, supports Bonin's candidacy now. Um, and uh, so it will be interesting to see what the folks at Empower Texans have to say about his candidacy now that Strauss is um, voicing support. Yeah, that diminishing influence. I'm going to ask you, let's let's go off the beaten path. You bring up Empower Texans. This yes, is sir. how I characterize Empower Texans to a local audience now. Um, that the spokesperson for Empowered Texans slandered Bob Duncan. This is whenever okay. you heard that Bob Duncan That's had a good some local reference mm -hmm. financial uh, that he was that uh, what we heard in the beginning was that Bob Duncan was ousted by the Board of Regents at Texas Tech 
because he had uh, misappropriated funds or done something shady yes, with sir, funds. Right. We heard that all And that right. was Michael mm-hmm. Quinn Sullivan, the yes, spokesperson for um, Boss Dunn, uh, Tim Dunn, who heads up Empowered Texans. Uh, what sway do they have at this point? Do you think that they're concerned? I think that their sway is in flux. It's not clear. Uh, you know, their chief organizing principle for years has been opposition to Joe Strauss as speaker. Uh, that is what uh, the uh, financial funders of uh, of Empower Texans, including Tim Dunn and the Wilkes brothers uh, from Cisco, Texas, uh, that's been their main um, main objective. Or their main objective has been to get rid of Joe Strauss. Strauss left on his own terms, uh, and so now you have someone coming in. Uh, who does have the backing of Strauss, although we should say, uh, in fairness, uh, that it did not appear that Joe Strauss was trying to help uh, Bonin round up members uh, for his candidacy. Uh, it looked like uh, Strauss uh, came on board after the, uh, li- the after the list of 109 uh, folks had been released or right about the same time. So, yeah. um, if so, so as far as where they're going to be on the Bonin candidacy, they have not really... Um, you know, taking a strong position one way or another, and maybe they will uh, in the uh, in the near future here. Yeah, Scott Braddock with us here. Um, we wanted to queue up the video uh, or the audio that runs as a video on the computer here in the other side mm-hmm. studios. But um, you asked a question of Bonin, and Bonin replied, I think curtly would be a good a good adjective to you. Yes, I wish that you had consulted me or talked to me before you ran that piece but Mm -hmm. uh, people will hear that and it's Bonin taking on the press um yes um there's a lot of concern about well on one hand you got a guy in Bonin Dennis Bonin who a lot of people think will be a good formidable force to the lieutenant governor however the Texas House Speaker's role is to represent the chamber and to consider bills within the chamber and how they move through calendars, mm-hmm. appropriations, this, that, and the other. Yeah. Um, his response to you, I think, demonstrated, and it, uh, look, I don't want to overplay it. I think this was like 15% Bonin. Like, mm-hmm. Bonin can get really fired up. Uh, there are concerns that Bonin could really lose his cool within a 140-day legislature. What do you make mm-hmm. of that? There are some questions about Chairman Bonin's temperament. Um, yes, he, he was a little curt with me, and that's not a problem. I can take it. And, and I've known Dennis for years, so like you said, that's Dennis Bonin at about 15 or 20 percent, so maybe mm-hmm. not even that. Um, you know, he, he can get very fired up. Uh, in the past, he was part of the uh, Speaker Strauss team, and as you know, as part of the team, one of his jobs was to be the attack dog uh, when it came to the Texas Senate, particularly when uh, various pieces of tax legislation were being debated uh, between the two chambers. You know, look, I mean, Democrats picked up seats in the Texas House and the Texas Senate in last week's election, uh, but Republicans maintain majorities uh, and, you know, fairly comfortable majorities in both chambers, and so the reality is that it's not really, and this is always the case, Jay Leeson, when, when we get down to it, when we get down to the business of Texas, uh, you know, since Republicans have been in charge, and by the way, it was also true when Democrats ran both chambers of the Texas legislature, um, the real conflicts begin to be about the House versus the Senate, the lieutenant governor 
versus the speaker. Um, and, you know, when those two don't agree on something, a lot of times it's the governor who would step in. Uh, governor Perry was very strong in that role. Uh, governor Abbott has not been as strong in that role of sort of refereeing the action between the two chambers. Um, and, look, you've got two very strong-willed people in Lieutenant Governor Patrick and potentially uh, the speaker candidate, uh, Dennis Bonin, if he does actually take the chamber. Uh, the sparks could definitely fly. We'll see. You say if. I've talked mm-hmm. to people today who say this is a done deal. Is it still sure. if, or is it when? Well, it's about 57 days until they actually vote for speaker. I've been talking with some folks this afternoon about uh, speakers' races in the past, and for decades, um, this is the case, for decades, no one has seen a speaker's race be declared over by so many people uh, You know, in November, in early November. Um, and so there is a ways to go here. Uh, the House members could could obviously change their minds, um, but right now Dennis Bonin is on track to be the next Speaker of the House. I think that's fair. Who is who? Are, who are still candidates on the Republican side? Uh, who who do we have left? Uh, well, Phil King dropped out, and Fuller Price dropped out. Uh, Travis Clardy dropped out this afternoon. Um, are we left with anybody? Uh, where's Drew Darby? Drew Darby. Drew Darby is said to be uh, out of the out of the running. I, I think for the most part, he. Uh, we what we had reported earlier in the day, uh, just to be clear about Chairman Darby, was that uh, our sources were telling us that he had uh, told the folks, uh, those House members who had committed their votes to him, that he said they were free to do whatever they would like to do. So it does seem that his candidacy is over as well. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to effort on that, but I'm going to ask you this question, and now we're getting into political weeds. Mm-hmm. The Republican caucus decided just after the session, right on the heels of the session, that the next speaker, right after Joe Strauss's announcement, mm-hmm. that the mm-hmm. next speaker would be elected from the... Of course, there is no caucus jail, right? I mean, if somebody defied the caucus... They have to vote on this on the floor, but yes, that the caucus would decide, the Republican caucus mm-hmm. would decide who the next speaker was. And I've heard from members today, and let me give you a couple of things, that there sure. was that Let's Friday mm-hmm. secret meeting, uh, Friday yes. or Sunday? It was a uh, Sunday. A Sunday secret meeting mm-hmm. that was run by the very folks who put forward the the rule and here let me be mm-hmm. candid drew springer dustin burrows uh frank um uh, no longer frank. with us mm-hmm. uh, uh ron, simmons, ron simmons a couple mm-hmm. others and uh burrows i don't know if he's the caucus chair or maybe he's acting caucus chair um put forward a rule that we were going to have the next speaker run out of the caucus but then they did what i've heard referred to today as an end around they uh-huh. end around their own rules they defied their own rules and uh came up with bonin who had not made the pledge uh at to, be, to be to mm-hmm. be at that point exactly and that i've heard terms like this um fruit of a poisonous tree is not admissible in court but this is going to bear all sorts of bear, bad fruit down the road and also uh-huh. another analogy i heard today that i really appreciated is if your charge was keeping the hen house 
you should not be looking up chicken recipes in the meantime. A lot mm-hmm. of rancor within the house, I would think, yeah. uh, about how this process was run. A process that wasn't a process, but is still a process. I think there's a lot of grumbling. Uh, look, the reality of what had been put in place for the Republican caucus was not that they were going to elect a speaker within the caucus. I think that's a narrative that is out there. Uh, that is, it, it's out there for a reason because uh, there's never been a, a process set up by the caucus before to formally endorse a candidate. Uh, but what the caucus is still on track to do is endorse a candidate for speaker. It looks now like that is likely Dennis Bonin. Um, but uh, yes, all of this action that we've seen up until today comes before the scheduled meeting on December 1st of the Texas House Republican Caucus to get together and go through their process to endorse a candidate for Speaker of the Texas House. There's a lot of chatter in Austin today that that has now been rendered um, irrelevant, uh, although we'll uh, continue to monitor the situation and see whether that is really the case. Uh, Like I say, there are um, roughly 57 days to go before the entire body actually votes on who the next speaker is going to be. So things still could change, but I do think it's fair to say right now that uh, Bonin is on track. Yeah. Uh, The last one to you here, Braddock, unless you've got further details that listeners need to know. Um, I'm told that around noon today, this is what I led with in the program, around noon, Mm -hmm. a lot of the conversation here is vet school. And let me clarify this again for listeners and for you. I think that there's a fair debate to be had about the vet school and yeah. the nece- the necessity of another public institution yeah. oh, sure. of higher education mm-hmm. in Texas providing a vet school, albeit a large animal vet school in Amarillo. That mm-hmm. is, I think, I think even Bob Duncan would concede that that was a factor, the largest factor in his ousting for Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. It is a big issue. Mm-hmm. It has quaked yeah. the grounds up here. Okay, and that's why I bring this forward. I'm I'm not here pounding on the drum for the vet school, but just covering it like we have, then you have to say that the vet school is a considerable factor in the region right now. Yes. And I'll talk with for price about that coming up, but I okay. think it is important Scott Braddock that I'm told that at noon today, at around noon, John Sharp walked out of Dennis Bonin's office um, mm-hmm. in a grin. And now that might have been a political grin or a gratifying grin or whatever it might have been. What what say you, Scott Braddock, on Dennis Bonin, Texas A&M, and what's become this huge issue here in West Texas and Upper West Texas on the vet school? Well, look, I'm not going to speculate about John Sharp's grin. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a good question. I'm not saying that it's not, but, but I do know that John Sharp and Bonin have been friends for a long time, uh, and so when Bonin and he had a conversation about him uh, potentially being on track to be the next speaker of the House, I'm sure that that was a very positive conversation. Um, I think that uh, folks from all around the state. Uh, need to be um, on guard about what the priorities are going to be uh, of the Texas legislature considering this fact. The lieutenant governor, the speaker, if it is Dennis Bonin, and um, the governor, all three, uh, the governor, speaker, and lieutenant governor would all be from the Houston area. They would all be basically from Houston. Um, and that's not a partisan thing. It's not an ideological thing. It's just uh, a question of what does that mean for folks in 
Lubbock. What does that mean for folks in DFW, San Antonio, East Texas, West Texas, et cetera? Um, it's, it is a consideration. You know, in the past, um, it's been the case that the uh, lieutenant governor and the speaker and the, and the governor would all be from different regions of the state and not necessarily by design, but um, it, uh, it, it is a factor in the way that things are prioritized around here. Yeah. Um, I'm told right now that um, Drew Darby has withdrawn, has sent words okay. right. of encouragement to Dennis Bonin. Uh, that right. from Good to get clarity on that. A mm-hmm. very reliable source. But Thank here, you. I think that uh, what's important is that folks are learning for the first time that the Speaker of the House, the Lieutenant Governor, the Governor, the Big Three, could the all be from the same region. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, look, uh, you know me, I'm a Houston guy, um, but uh, I think it's uh, it's worth pointing that fact out. Uh, you know, in the past, uh, you know, just in the last uh, session, it was the case that uh, the speaker and the governor and lieutenant governor were not all from the same city. You know, Joe Strauss was from San Antonio instead. Um, so, and, and different parts of the state have had their chance at having the speaker's office be, um, you know, occupied by somebody from those parts of the state, and uh, so it may now uh, may now all be a big Houston game here. We'll see. Well, what might be my favorite contribution by you, Scott Braddock, editor of the Quorum Report at Scott Braddock on Twitter. Uh, this is this has been. You're right on top of it. We appreciate you chiming in. Let us know what's going on at this very hour down there in the in the Capitol. We'll keep it covered for you, Jay. Thank you. All right. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Scott Braddock. Follow him along. Great follow. Keeps us informed. Going to go to a quickie break. You don't want to miss For Price out of Amarillo. On his way to an event at Texas A&M. Hey, you're just going to hear it here first from For Price. Uh, Keep it locked in. Be right back. Hey, uh, did a pre-record with a four price out of Amarillo widely, I mean, here's the deal. And I say this often, but on a continuum of how much you disdain or like a politician, uh, here's what four price's reputation is. It's hard not to like four to, I really like four. Uh, he defies a lot of uh, today's disdain for politicians, a guy that a lot of people like, even if they disagree with him. He is for Price out of Amarillo. Appreciate for Price making time uh, to come with us here on Other Side of Texas. I did get an email this weekend about why so many Amarillo politicians and I'll say this, that outside of John Frulo, if you want to talk about other side of Texas and make it a product that people in North Texas, in East Texas, in South Texas, you got to talk to Kel Seliger, you got to talk to John Smith, you got to talk to John Frulo, because, uh, excuse me, for price. Uh, you got to talk to those guys because they move the needles in Texas politics and for price bowed out on Sunday and I think a lot of people would say turn the speaker's race in Dennis Bonin's favor you can hear him on that matter 
and more right now with four price on the line with us is state representative chairman out of the 87th district texas house district uh state representative for price out of amarillo for price how are you i'm doing well jay how are you uh, uh fair to midland i could do without all this north wind blowing from your uh amarillo down here without any precipitation <laughs> but the cotton farmers appreciate it i'm sure um so here's the deal four here's where i want to start on i pre-taped uh a show with brian mudd came back the ABC affiliate here in Lubbock on Friday, in which and it aired on Sunday morning at 11:30 for Price, and I'm going to start here. On the program, I question the wisdom of some in West Texas backing a state representative out of Angleton down on the coast, one who I've been told by your peers, some of your peers, that is against a vet school, and then not within an hour of that program airing the texts start flooding in the the tweets start flooding in that you have bowed out of the speaker's race and have backed that state representative out of angleton dennis bonin tell us what happened for price the uh well first of all jay thanks for having me on your show and thank you for the time the the speaker's race process was uh, insightful. It was interesting. Learned learned a great deal about my colleagues and their districts, and, and really, it's a, an experience that I uh, I thought was was well worth the effort. Even though uh, my my pig came up short um, as of you know this this past weekend, um, talking to the supporters that I have, colleagues of mine in the house, and, and really taking a look at the race overall, trying to take some emotion out of it and look at the uh, um, the landscape as objectively as possible. Um, I came to the conclusion, and, and many of the folks that support me came to the conclusion that Chairman Bonin was was in the best position to uh, work with us to, to unify the party in the House and uh, build a broad coalition of, of members from all over the state, um, you know, and, and, and position himself to, to be a, uh, a leader in a position of strength um, with a broad base of support in the body. And we felt like that was really important. And, and so, you know, coming to that conclusion, uh, I had multiple conversations with, uh, with Dennis, and, and we, uh, we talked about, you know, what that looked like uh, for both of us. And, you know, it's a tough decision to make, but he's a very capable leader. I don't believe he's against the vet school. Uh, certainly talked to him about issues important to the region um, and, and the entire state and remain very confident with his uh, vision for the house and issues he wants to prioritize in the next session. And uh, as you know, since that point in time, I guess he released uh, his list of 109 names today that support his candidacy. And uh, that includes members from rural Texas, urban Texas, every region of the state. And uh, I think every member of our, our Panhandle and, and South Plains delegation. So uh, I think it's, um, it's an exciting time for us in the house. Uh, this is a fluid situation. It all comes together and, and, and does so very quickly. And, um, you know, we still have to go through the caucus vote on December 1st and the actual floor vote on January 8th, but I fully expect for uh, chairman Bonin to be elected. 
a four price with us out of Amarillo. Many, I mean, the Amarillo Globe News has done a series on how you could be the Speaker of the House eventually in the House. I want to ask you a couple of follow-ups with what you just laid out. Um, I'm told that since your since your announcement on Sunday for Bonin that you were going to bow out and you were going to back Bonin that the number was somewhere between uh, 40 to 50 on Bonin's list. Uh, since then, it's jumped up to 109. Uh, some would say, I would deduce from that for price that you were the threshold, that you you throwing your name in completely legitimatized uh, because you know we talk a lot about state politics on the program and you carry a lot of weight in Austin. When people saw your name, and that's not to throw shade on Zerwas or anyone else, but when they saw your name, uh, that kind of released the floodgates. Do you disagree with that? Well, I, you know, I, I, I think the numbers, you know, and the the events speak for themselves. I, I don't know that I can personally, you know, take credit for that, but I mean, the re, the, the realization that I felt like I could work with Dennis to position him as a very strong and capable House speaker. Uh, it is just a decision that I came to, um, you know, with, with the advice and counsel of some of my colleagues. And, and certainly we we want what's best for the House. And so often, you know, in, in these matters, I think it's it's difficult for people, especially as a candidate, to see the big picture, maybe swallow your, your pride or ambition or whatever's driving somebody and, and actually – you know, try to try to help our, our body, and, and we need it. You know, we need that right now is, is uh, as bad as ever. And so, you know, that was a, a, just a calculation and a decision, you know, that, that, you know, I think was was made not only at the right moment in time but delivered in the right moment in time because a lot of the candidates had, you know, supporters and everybody seemed somewhat frozen, yeah. um, you know, with regard to, you know, moving their, uh, their efforts, you know, uh, forward. And so – I think that, you know, uh, very likely did kind of remove the logjam and, and folks started to understand, you know, our caucus votes, to, you know, a couple of weeks away and the session's right around the corner and uh, they started looking at speakers, uh, rate, I mean, candidates who may have momentum and then who they surround themselves with and what that means. And so I just felt like it was the right time to do that for a whole host of reasons. And again, I'm, I'm, you know, very confident with the decision that, that I made. Uh, let's go to the caucus vote. Uh, for folks who are not attuned to Texas politics, the body is 150 members, and it's one of the, it is, in my view, the most significant uh, capacity in which voters do not elect a leader. It is up to 150 state representatives to come up with their own Speaker of the House. The caucus, towards the end of the last session, I believe, or maybe just after the session, introduced that uh, the next, the Republican caucus, the next Speaker of the House, uh, with the Republicans being in the majority at that time, 95, and that's dropped by 12 since then. But the majority, the majority party, effectively, would come up with its own Speaker. For Price, I want to ask you about this. Dennis Bonin, many would argue, usurped that process and people who backed Bonin early. Um, they've been called backbenchers by some, uh, 
to be frank, Revenge of the Nerds by some, a, a coalition who got behind Bonin early, Republicans that didn't play much of a factor in a Strauss-run, a Joe Strauss-run House, and uh, Bonin had not taken the pledge, uh, and many say that Bonin did an end, end around, or the people that were promoting Bonin, that you were playing by the rules for price of what was laid out, and then... Uh, there was an end around by the very people who put forward this new rule that he had to be elected within the caucus. He had not signed that pledge. Uh, do you feel like you were taken aback by that? Do you feel like there's some questions within the caucus going forward, given that I think it's pretty empirically evident that he wasn't on board with the rule, then he got on board with the rule once he had the 40 or so? You know, it's a it's a new process for the for the party um in the caucus and and certainly there was a lot of debate last uh you know year about whether or not we'd actually even employ a, a caucus vote process for a nominee to move forward from the party um there are certainly good points and and uh, soft points that that are made you know in favor or against um the process but we did have one put in place and you know what happened i guess on that sunday a couple of weeks ago when a group of members got together and you know more or less drafted uh dennis to uh you know to to run or basically you know said they would support him if he did uh was was a little surprising i mean to, to a number of us because one we didn't know what was going on and two uh when it occurred i think you know everybody was hearing that the the votes were significantly higher that you had you know 40 45 even 50 people saying that they they wanted him to to run and so you know the 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 reality was as in most cases when news like that breaks um you know the smart thing is to not get panicked uh, but to to let the dust settle and see exactly what was true but for at that i think time, the number was smaller let me let me just delve in here sure. at that time you'd signed the pledge but bonin had not is that yeah. accurate yeah, that's that's okay. correct. Right. And so, you know, I mean, I I, uh, I think that there was nothing that was going on, you know, and I can't really speak to how it occurred or who was in charge or what, what occurred because I just obviously wasn't there. But, you know, the fact is uh, when the dust settled, they had, you know, somewhere between 20 and 30 members that, that wanted him to run, and so he subsequently did file. And, you know, the, the process that went down then is not one that, you know, I can really speak to in terms of what happened because I wasn't there. But what I'll say is, you know, every speaker candidate that files uh, is out trying to, you know, solicit, uh, support, uh, get members into their camp or tent, so to speak, to, to tell them, you know, what their vision is and hope that folks, you know, support them. So, you know, I, I'm not really a fan of, of secret meetings and you know that this and that and that's what happened is, though right yeah it is okay. i mean i think i mean again i wasn't invited i wasn't there so you know i can't i can't exactly say what occurred because it was surprising to me but you know i don't i don't uh i don't hold that against um dennis and you know i i believe that by evidence you know today there's a tremendous number of house members that uh, do want you know him to uh, to be elected speaker, and and so yeah, there's there's definitely uh, flaws in our process, and maybe the rules need to be clear about what folks can and can't do or shouldn't shouldn't do. We're still going to go through the caucus process. There's still two other candidates in the race uh, in the Republican Party, mm -hmm. and you know my my guess is um, you know they will 
they may take it all the way to the caucus and, and put their, you know, uh, candidacy out before the body and give their speeches and everybody will take a, take a vote. But, you know, the, the, the way those votes came, came about, I guess, is, is something that I think folks will be talking about for a while. Yeah. You mean folks within the legislature? Yeah, members? probably. I, I don't know that it's members? that interesting to everybody, but I think members will be talking well, about I, it. Well, I, sure. I think it's important, following the legislature like I do, what I've come to learn is that the lingua franca in the legislature is trust, and there are some questions after all of this. Uh, we're with Four Price, state representative out of Amarillo. Four, I'm going to ask you this because you're an elected official. How old are you? I'm 51. Okay, so a lot of time. Um, I, you know, and, I I, and I'll say this, and I'm asking you hard questions, but as somebody who watches legislature, really respects um, you and your Senate cohort there out of Amarillo for your style of governing, um, that it's, to me, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, and that depends on how long you want to stay in this game. Um, I want to come back to that here in just a moment, but let me get my ADHD under control and ask you about, <laughs> you mentioned two candidates that are still in the race. I assume you mean Drew Darby and Travis Clardy. Uh, Drew Darby down in San Angelo. Um, you both have a lot of mutual interests. A lot of people would think that you and Drew Darby are on the same page. You both threw your names in the hat for Speaker for Price, tell me, was there a reason why you couldn't support Drew Darby, who announced before you, and have you had conversations with Drew Darby since? I have. Um, I've talked to Drew um, quite often throughout the whole, you know, speaker's race period of time. Uh, we are we are friends. I talk to Drew frequently. I've talked to him, you know, since I made my announcement. He was one of the first phone calls that I made to reach out to him to let him know what I was doing and why. And it really, um, you know, it's hard not to take these things, I'm sure, personally. But, you know, I did explain to him about, you know, how I felt like either of us, if, if we didn't budge, um, you know, the supporters we had and, and uh, you know, some of whom, you know, if I got out of the race might support him, but others would go elsewhere and vice versa, I'm sure, uh, you know, made sense to me to support uh, the candidate I felt, you know, had the best position or positioning to unify our body and, and move forward uh, to be able to get most of the Republicans and most of the Democrats under the same tent. Uh, because I think, you know, if you can elect a speaker uh, like that from that broad base of uh, support among the members, you will put them in a position of power that won't be exploited in the chamber or outside the chamber. And I, I explained to Drew and, and you know, I'm sure, you know, he, he might have a, might have had a different opinion, but, you know, I, I just felt like Dennis was in the best position to achieve that result and get there the way I think a speaker should get there. And so, you know, winning his party, winning the minority party, getting a coalition of both and, and moving the, the body forward. And, and Drew, you know, very respectful, understood my uh, analysis. I can't say totally agree with that, but he was – uh, nothing but professional and uh, kind and yeah we talked uh, quite often leading up to that day and we're on a panel here together here in a few hours um, so uh, you know it's 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 tough these things uh, they're like any other race you, you have uh, a lot invested in them 
so it's uh, it's hard to, to bring them to closure but um, it's politics we're all going to move forward and do what we think is best for our region and the entire state uh, he has four price in Amarillo a couple more things here chairman I want uh, to talk about you talk about unity and unifying the body I've been told numerous times that you as well as Darby have had the option of a large contingent of the Democrats um, you know 67 maybe somewhere north of 55 and then you bring in a contingent of Republicans which you know maybe 20 25 uh, more 25 and that you had you could have pulled the lever and had the same press conference today uh, with the majority of your support being Democrats uh, for price is that true and if it is why did you choose not to pull that lever <laughs> well I heard that too and and as I said these these races are fluid they change you know you know every 10 minutes and and certainly uh, when I started the race I made it very clear that that I wanted to to win if I could win the right way I didn't want to win at all costs what was and the right I way? felt like well, in my opinion, the right way to do it would be to uh, absolutely win the support of your own party. And Is also that a majority or the whole thing? Well, at least a majority. Okay. I mean, our caucus pledge is a little more restrictive in that to be the nominee, you would need a minimum of 60%. But, you know, it's important to me to at least hit that watermark of, of half because I think the majority of your party needs to be supportive of your candidacy if you're going to be effective as a leader. And then I also feel like you need to have a broad coalition with you supporting you from the minority party because that's important as well. You know, most of the legislation that we actually move through the, the process is not highly partisan stuff. It may be urban versus rural or regional or very, very you know, to its language, but not the highly partisan stuff that you see and hear about on the news. So. You know, I feel like to be uh, an effective leader and, and lead a well-functioning house, you need the support, but you need to gather it the right way from, from all these regions and, and both parties, et cetera. Um, having, you know, the opportunity to win it, for instance, with 60 Democrats and, and you, know, uh, you know, less than two dozen Republicans is not, in my opinion, the right way to win it. And, and I think that that speaks um, would be fighting that the uh, the problems that go along with that from the moment okay. they're sworn in. Why not? Why trouble. not the right way for price? Well, it comes down to to you know who can achieve it um, and who can achieve it with whom. You know, I mean, so you, you can't do these things by yourself. Um, and so you know, like I said, the right way is to to elect somebody in a position to get no. the largest number of Republicans and Democrats. Do and you, I felt like that's where Dennis uh, positioned himself very well. Okay, so do you think, uh, look, I know that uh, Joe Strauss is somebody who you like uh, personally and you respect, shall I say professionally, even though you're citizen legislators, but um, the knock on Strauss and quite frankly the fodder for Empowered Texans which slandered Bob Duncan, make no mistake about it, um, their their aim has always been that he was elected by Democrats. Is that what you were trying to avoid in doing it, quote, the right way? 
Yeah, you know, in in a sense, that's part of it. Not not really uh, all of it, but I guess the reality is there's a lot of members who feel like that's one headache that you can easily avoid. You know, just the the narrative that you're not even supported by your own party or something like that. Which again, you know, when when Speaker Strauss was elected back in 2009, the body was 76, 74, and he was actually elected by acclamation. Even though I think the 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 genesis or catalyst that brought that to bear was was more democrats than republicans back in 09 but you know i think folks wanted to avoid and and i say folks a lot of members a lot of republican members certainly wanted to avoid just some of the headaches and and issues that go along with being elected in the manner that folks have you know tried to deem yeah you can't Uh, avoid it you can definitely avoid it okay uh we're almost done with you for price, but this is just intriguing to a lot of people who pay attention to state politics, which is, listeners, the most influential form of um, government in your day-to-day life. Tell me about the conversation, whatever you can say, tell me the conversations with Bond. I've had people who've said, look, for price would not bow out of this race if the vet school were not a primary concern. Tell me exactly, well, tell me as much as you can for Price about, I don't want to say assurances because that would be illegal, but tell me, was he willing to back the vet school? Well, I I think Dennis is very much uh, surprised by some of the, you know, comments that that I've made aware of and people, you know, both in in your media market and mine and, and certainly uh, across the state who have an interest in what happens with this issue, I told him, I said, you know, the, the, the narrative out there and the perception is you're against the vet school. And I said, for me personally, that's a big issue. It's a big issue in, in the region that I represent. It's a big issue for me at home. It's a big issue for yeah. Texas Tech. And I said, you a know, chancellor that, has just been ousted. Really interested in. Okay, sorry to talk over right. you, but and, uh, no, you're. Right. I mean, you're exactly it was right. effective. Bob it, Duncan was effectively outed over it. So if you weren't interested in it before, everybody is now. So go oh, ahead with yeah, where Bonin sure. is on it now. Well, he's he's pretty much uh, a fan of Chancellor Duncan. He's okay. And, and are you there for? I know that you're driving down. Uh, speaking of vet school, uh, for Price on his way to a panel on nowhere less than the A&M campus tonight, uh, Texas Tribune <laughs> uh, panel. But go ahead. Your reception was breaking up yeah. a little bit. Yes. No. Sorry about that. The uh, the uh, reality is, so I you know I wanted to know just you know if he, if that was true, and he said he's not against the vet school. He's He's open to any uh, of the issues that we bring before the legislature with regard to operational funding and certainly wants to learn more about, you know, what's going on. This isn't an issue that's been, you know, front and center in his uh, House district or or any issue on a committee that he's been, you know, chairing or involved with, but certainly is something that I've spent a lot of time talking to him about, trying to educate him about, let him know the perspective of uh, – of our area, the the skin in the game, so to speak, that the uh, the folks in, in my hometown have put into it, um, and what that looks like for our region, the state, and the entire country. And so um, I'm confident, confident, and very comfortable. You know, obviously he's not making any promises or anything like that, but what he is doing is saying, "This is my position," 
Uh, he has never taken a boat that would be injurious uh, to the vet school in the past. He's never, you know, outwardly or, or even privately, to my knowledge, done anything that would damage that. And so I'm, I'm going to take him at his word, and I'm, I'm comfortable with his positions on it. Uh, I don't think that uh, he is fam as familiar with some of the, uh, the details of that issue as, as we all are because we're so intimately uh, involved. But I do feel good about uh, the fact that he is not an anti-best school individual. Okay. Uh, uh, for Price, you're sitting here 51 years old. I've said not if but when. Uh, have you had any conversations about bonding, about effectively turning it over? How much longer will you serve? <laughs> no. How, mu how much longer will you serve in the House? Uh, that's up to the voters in House District 87. I am certainly uh, thrilled to have the opportunity after, uh, you know, the recent election to go back um, to serve the district, to serve the state. It's a real privilege, obviously. Do you see uh, yourself there another decade, two decades, or to infinity uh, and know, beyond? I, I can't uh, predict uh, what happens beyond the next uh, legislative cycle, to be honest. The next two years after every session, in fact, I was in your studio, Jay, uh, I guess it was after the last session, mm -hmm. driving home from Austin, with Karen, stopped yeah. by, with Karen, recorded, uh, uh, or, you know, was on your show, and you asked me if I was planning to run again. Um, that's probably the worst time to ask a legislator if they plan to run again <laughs> right after the session ends because yeah. everybody's so tired yeah. and irritable. But, uh, of course, I said I was planning to. We had talked about it as we do at the end of every session. I, I don't want to make uh, any commitments or decisions, you know, about what we'll do, say, two years from now about filing and whatnot. But I am, as long as the people want me to go and I'm effective um, and enjoying it, you know, then, then I will pursue it. But if any of those other uh, things don't don't seem to be in place, then you know it'll be time to to wrap it up. But I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to this session. and Have uh, every intention to do uh, as much work as I can to, to make it productive for us. Hey, uh, a couple of couple of things about uh, Amarillo, and people ask me, and I, we're working hard to get the show syndicated to Amarillo because we spend a lot of time on you guys, you and your Senate cohort there, um, but. I'm writing a piece right now, and I'd like your feedback on this. Uh, the state didn't turn purple on Tuesday. It turned Amarillo, a play on Amarillo, of course. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, I, but I look at this, and I would think that you count Charlie Guerin as a friend and certainly a sure. political ally in the House. Um, folks like Charlie Guerin walk away from their races 30, 35 points in the Metroplex. If I, you know, I think I would qualify him in the Metroplex, but some of his Tea Party um, Freedom Caucus cohorts either lost or won by two or three points. Um, I think what voters want right now are competent, able legislators uh, who can work across the aisle but still take their center-right, center-left stances. Do you disagree? No, I agree. I think, uh, you know, citizens should always want their their House members and Senate members to represent their districts and do it rationally and with competence. And, you know, the state uh, wants folks that have, uh, you know, the capability and the intention to keep, you know, open mind on issues and do their homework and their own due diligence on how a decision should be made and 
certainly not just vote a certain way on any given issue because someone or some third party, you know, tells them to. And I'm not saying anybody's doing that all the time or anything like that, but what I am saying is people want effective, competent people in positions of, uh, of representing them uh, at the state legislature. And so I think, you know, now more than ever, uh, when populations are, are growing and, and people may not know their House or Senate member the way uh, they used to um, or have that, you know, kind of relationship with them, it's very important for uh, House and Senate members to be uh, very competent and, and work really hard at, at involving themselves in their district and getting their their work and message uh, known to their voters and, and citizens that they represent, to making sure that they're accessible. So I think folks like Charlie do a great job at that. It's no surprise to me he won a great big margin, um, and I think folks respect that. I think they, they see him as somebody that will listen um, you know, and, and make the best decision regardless of, of what, you know, the bill, you know's authors, uh, you know, city of origin is or what region they're from or what party they belong to. You just want good good legislation in place, and you expect people to take solid votes based on, on how they evaluate them. And I, I think he's a good example of that, and I think uh, other members are too, and they had close races, so I don't want to say if I had a close race, doesn't do that, but uh, folks need to really uh, pay attention to what this last election signaled, and, and I think, uh, you know, we will. When do you think it signaled for Price? Well, certainly the state's changing, uh, you know, in some regards. I think, uh, obviously, more folks were registered to vote and participated in the process than we've seen in midterm elections, and that indicates more engagement. Uh, I think folks are divided, you know, to some degree across the state with regard to uh, certain candidates and certain races, which which trickle down and affect other races, no question. Um, but but yeah, I think what we learn is, you know, there's no substitute for for good solid work. Um, you know, getting out and, and knocking doors, meeting voters, being transparent, being accessible, uh, having a record that folks can understand and look up, and you can explain. Uh, it's it kind of you know it's not it's not uh, any secret how you are successful. I mean, I think if you do a good job it's easier to keep your job as we close out with you here for price appreciate you making time i know that you're going down to a&m and people will have different a adjectives for a&m within this uh, immediate <laughs> listening audience but you know i've been asked so clardy darby or price who's the best candidate and I said, you know, different things about each of the three of you four, but here's here's where I come back to with regards to you. Go talk to somebody and ask them what they're passionate about. And with four price, I think like maybe in the top three would be rural mental health. Like who says that? Who who do you know that <laughs> in their right mind a play on mental health? But I think to a lot of people here uh, even though you bowed out of the speaker's race, and it sounds like you bowed out with an understanding of where things were headed. I won't say an agreement, but a good understanding of how to work together with uh, presumably Speaker Bonin. Nobody knows what's going to happen. But you may be one of the only people around working on issues that most folks don't see but uh, will begin to appreciate over time. Uh, do you intend to keep on track with initiatives like rural mental health and, and others? 
Absolutely. You know, the, the panel I'm going to speak on tonight is entirely focused on rural issues. And, you know, while the, the population centers get a lot of attention, uh, most of Texas is rural Texas. And, you know, we need adequate uh, health care. We need resources and, and good transportation. We need quality schools and all the things that, that I think are so important to, to making Texas, Texas. Uh, in retaining its identity so absolutely that's my intention um i i you know i'm i'm you know so proud of the last session with with regard to legislation like the telemedicine bill and the behavioral health bills that i carried because it benefits uh folks surely in in urban areas and in you know highly populated counties but it it also leveled the playing field and we made sure that we benefited counties that were small in population and had no resources and made those those resources that, that the legislation provided accessible to small rural communities and so that is something that I will work hard to improve no matter what position I'm in and no matter what committee I serve on or chair uh, so yes I said that will not change Jay the uh, the, the fact that I'm I'm you know really enjoying working to represent the interest of smaller rural communities across the state it has significant importance to our economy and, and communities all over the, the state of Texas. So I intend to continue to do that regardless of what committee I may serve on or chair or what position I'm in. It's going to be a high priority for me. Well, he is for Price, state representative out of Amarillo. For, I appreciate you taking some, some questions here. He's on Twitter at four because he is walter what the fourth Price, thomas <laughs> walter thomas the fourth all right at four price texas on twitter thanks for the time buddy you bet enjoyed it y'all have a good evening okay you too on the line with us is so uh that there with four price to close you out on this edition of the other side of texas hey listen i gotta get home gotta get home above average family and great dinner well a great family above average dinner waiting for me also your fantasy football j boys need um kittle for the uh 49ers the quarterback uh, excuse me the tight end and Odell Beckham and Robbie Gold to go plus 40 in my fantasy league tonight in order to win. It is one of my side, uh, I, I do it to keep sane, uh, to take my mind off politics for just a moment so I don't wind up like some crazy, like some other crazies you might listen to or follow on uh, social media and radio and really appreciate if I can just take a moment, people have reached out to me. They've gotten some Nielsen ratings and uh, let me know that they've marked us up as their 5 to 6 p.m. Listen, we are closing out a little bit late. Uh, hope that we've brought to you a sort of radio worth listening to. That's certainly always in the first of my mind, the forefront of my mind, I should say, that we want to put together a radio program that you would want to listen to on your podcast and otherwise, and you would share with your friends. So, until tomorrow, I want to sign off for Scott Braddock for 
for Price. Uh, thanks for listening to this edition of The Other Side of Texas. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on and from the historic studios here at AM580. And uh, look forward to being with you again right here from right here from the studios where Buddy Holly became famous. Step up.